Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. You know, I was talking to someone the other day, and they said every time they hear me start it off, they start laughing. <laughs> you know, I I absolutely did. You know what my wife told me last night? I I told you that does not. I don't surprise. love you. Get out of the house. Uh, it's not like what you texted me yesterday. What did I what text did you? Yesterday? Text me last night. Okay, I'm gonna read it, and I, and and I quote. I don't know if I'm supposed to be. Maybe this was like your deepest feelings towards me from your heart. What did I text? But, Oh, where'd it go? Don't tell me it disappeared. Mm, see, I think you're making it up. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? I know what I texted you this morning. Avon oh. calling. <laughs> yeah, you did that. But Okay, okay. Now, th- yesterday, no, today at 726 a.m., you texted me, I love you too, seven-day Atlantia day by. <laughs> no, that's what you sent me. Oh, did I? You that? sent me. I love you too. Seven day Atlantia day by what Siri? Tyrone's on board with the webinar. That's yeah, not yeah, yeah. me. That's okay. all you. Okay, you know what happened? I, I okay. So you just tried me. to give me a text attribution for something that you sent me? I guess. Hey, it was early. It was seven in the morning. It was. It was actually my. my I thought you were trying to make before. another Seventh Day Adventist joke, and I had no idea where you were going with that. You know what? I'm like, you know, Pete's on the sauce at 7 a.m. I don't know what's going to be. He's texting me crazy stuff. I'm getting more drunk texts from Pete. <laughs> I'm. I'm only teasing. By the way, listeners, if you're listening, I've never gotten a drunk text from Pete. It was actually yeah. my two year old. I know who not to text. Both phones this morning. I know not to I text. She grabbed. Drunk. Hey, I knew she grabbed mommy's phone because she texted me this. Siri, now like your four year old can like talk to Siri and actually like just text you complete gibberish. I got I got from uh, my wife this morning from her phone. Will you come over to my house in my room? Can't whoopee you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Our visu by send iMessage Macumber. Will you come over tonight delivering? I mean, how is it that my four year old's texting me things that sound a little bit strange? From my wife. Mm. Will you come over tonight, delivery man, up Echo Way? Ayui. <laughs> <laughs> so my wife tells me last night, she goes, you know, on the podcast, she goes, it's kind of like you're really, really informative and Pete's really funny. She goes, you guys are like, and she goes, what's that show in the 80s with Dr. <laughs> Drew and other? I'm like, Adam Carolla. I'm like, you're saying we're like the love, love line, line of church planners. We're love line. That's exactly what we are. But you realize that uh, love line is still going on. Still to this are day. Are you serious? Yeah. Who's on it now? Dr. Drew and I don't know who the other guy is. I never it's listened to Adam it before. Carolla. 
No, it hasn't been out of control for years. Yeah. Well, no, because when I finally did get to listen to the radio, it was like I didn't want to listen to people yapping about love and sex. I was like, I want to listen to music. (laughs) The show is actually gross. The reality is that uh, having come from a nursing background, minor in psychology, psych nurse, um, Dr. Drew is absolutely brilliant. Because he comes from a Jewish background, he actually... um, he talks a lot of sense on there, but the show is very racy. I mean, I, I, I definitely don't recommend um, listening to it because it'll it'll make you think all kinds of nasty stuff. But as far as being a clinician, the guy is absolutely brilliant. He's sold out a bit now um, for Hollywood, but uh, but he, you know, back in the day, man, he gave some very sound advice. So um, speaking switching, about switching from that to mops, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thanks for bringing that up, Peyton. Mops is now an official sponsor. Awesome. Well, you know, every time I hear mops, all I can think of literally is someone needs to clean my kitchen floor. Where's the mops? Someone needs to definitely clean up that last conversation because mothers of preschoolers, you know, we love to tie the content directly into our sponsorship. (laughs) I hope they don't actually listen to the podcast. (laughs) They're like, they're like, dude, you guys are talking about Loveline and then you're advertising us. Well, mothers, okay, so what is MOPS? If you go to their site, it's MOPS.org. They're actually a grassroots movement that believes moms are world influencers. I mean, shoot, man, when when soldiers are on the battlefield and their guts are hanging out, they're crying out for mama, right? Moms are the number one world influencers. So they start up this ministry years ago to support mothers of preschoolers because preschoolers, uh, it's a beautiful age. It's also a very challenging age. And they actually uh, support moms um, that are trying to make a difference in their kids' life. That is your number one ministry after all, church planner. And you ought to be focusing on your family. So what I would say is, um, I don't know if you guys do this, but I'm constantly, if I see something good and they have a blog on there that's absolutely brilliant, but if, if you get a chance, guys, always be sending your wife encouragement um, about being a mom. Being a mom is a tough job. They always have tons of mommy guilt. Um, you don't as a dude because you're like, oh, yeah, I know I suck. But mommies struggle with that, right? So uh, mops is kind of a, a support for them. And trust me, as much import and encur- or as input and encouragement you can give your wife while she's doing stuff, the better. And uh, moving right along after our, our uh, extended mops commercial, Hey, um, I, 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 I don't think I have a future with mops being their advertiser. <laughs> They're like, somehow you went from love line and then, um, uh, and then what I wanted to bring up, which is more important to me, unfortunately, <gasps> for mops. You can't say that about a sponsor. I know, I know, but it is. Our, that now. our sound effects are not working today. Oh yeah. We got to make our own today. We have to do <laughs> it. <our own. laughs> I got to get like enough phlegm in the back of the church planner podcast. We got to make our own sound effects up. <laughs> that sounded like a gargle. That wasn't even Chewbacca. I had nothing on that one. Mamma that mia, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> it actually sounds like the real guy. Wow. I actually agree with Pete. Mmm. <laughs> you see Yoda. <laughs> They're just Did getting worse. Hmm? They're just getting worse and worse. Our pets' they heads keep falling off. <laughs> That's one of my favorite ones. <laughs> Did you see they're coming out with a new Dumb and Dumber? <clears throat> I absolutely did. And I, I was in the theater watching How to Train Your Dragon 2 with my daughter. Dude, hot movie, number one. Number two, a little bit scary for you, Pete. Mm-hmm. But number two, I saw that and I immediately thought of you. Because I they, think that has to be like your top. For Dumb huh? and Dumber with How to Train Your Dragon? No, no. I saw You know when you're walking through the hall. Oh, and they got oh I was like, wow, that's like a bit of an adult movie for a preview for uh, How to Train Your Dragon. I think it's like Dumber, Dumb and Dumber 2, like T-O-O. <laughs> it's like number three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the second one, it's kind of like the prequels to Star Wars. I don't believe it, it actually happened for Dumb and Dumber. Because they, they did have a prequel for uh, Dumb and Dumber. It was awful. Oh, did they really? Yeah, it was awful. 
I should it's, mention that we actually just picked up another sponsor. It's um, Transformers. And uh, they actually dumped enough money on us that we have to promote them actually for the next five years. And um, so it's going to be, you know, out on video. That's not true. You just like Transformers and want to talk about it. I really do. I can't wait to see it. I really do can't. You, seriously, though, like this morning, it's so funny you're saying this because I was going to write. I'm not a Transformer fan, right? Like I fell asleep in the first movie. And well, it wasn't. I, I don't. I, I wouldn't classify them as like you know great movies, but they're just good action flicks. Well, at, okay. In fairness, at the time I was a firefighter, and I'd been up all night the night before, and I tried watching it the next night, and I couldn't. But the reality is, it actually seemed like it was going to be a good. Like I was bummed. I kept waking up, going, "Oh, bummer," you know. And then boom, and my wife's like. I'm like, how is it? You know, I'm waking up and she's like, you know, she's always poking me and throwing popcorn. Wake up, you idiot. And she's like, this movie's awesome. Which for my wife to say like a big movie about robots beating the crud out of each other in New York, <laughs> that's saying a lot, right? But uh, not like that other movie. Like, I don't think it was in New York. Was it in New York? The I don't first know. One? It was the skyscrapers, Chicago, New York. No, I don't, I don't think it was. I don't think it was because I think. Kadira. Remember our own sound effects. Yeah, well, you know the next one's gonna have Dinobots, so I got to tell you right there, I'm all over it. I got to say that's pretty cool. What's, what's, that is pretty cool. What's ironic to me is how good of friends you and I are, and yet how completely different we are all at the same time. Absolutely. Like, when we talk about movies, you and I do not like the same type of movies. No, we don't. I loved Pacific Rim. I know it was totally that was cheesy. The one I meant. <laughs> it was just. It was so good. And this morning you sent me that text with the link to an article that they're coming out with a new Pacific Rim in like 2017. And all I could reply back is I cannot wait for 2017 to get here. Soon enough, baby. It can't. Not for me. Pacific Rim held as either the coolest stupid movie you've ever seen <laughs> or the stupidest cool movie you've ever seen. Dude, either way, it was great. <laughs> it was so good. But I love when they're like, you know, being drift compatible. You got to be related. Unless you're not related, and it still works. Okay. So the best tweet of the week, right? Movie related here, and of course Star was related because this is a Church Planner podcast. It's relevant somehow. I really here was the tweet. Uh, Darth Vader, by the way, tweeted this yesterday. I really hope Disney releases the uncensored version of Star Wars where they don't bleep out all of R two D two swearing. <laughs> the tweet of the week, man. I remember that. That was good. So our topic today. Courtesy of White Tyrone, our salesman. Check, please. If, if you wonder, by the way, why we're getting all these uh, sponsors, because we have a salesman named White Tyrone. and uh, he's, That's actually he's how he calls right people. Now. Hey, this is White Tyrone calling you from Church Planner Magazine. Absolutely. So White Tyrone, he wrote us, he, he listened to our, it's so funny because Tyrone, he's not afraid to tell you what he thinks, right? He, he's like, hey, I read your book, uh, Church Zero, and this is how it sucks. I really liked it, but this is how it's up. <laughs> Did he really? That's so well, hot. He didn't put it like that, but he's like, you know what, what, what you could have done? It had a little bit too much pop culture references and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, so he tells you that. But anyways, he goes on the podcast, he goes, so I'm listening. Now, granted, he, he comes at like episode 60 something, right? And he's listening and he's like, you know what you need to tell people is boom, boom, boom. And so he gives a list of all the things, but you know, really cool about Tyrone is he actually came up with some great topics that he was right. He's saying, look, you know, go a bit more basic. And I think sometimes in every field, you just assume that people know certain things. Like there's an assumption. Okay, we all know this, right? These are the basics. So we're going to talk about stuff a little bit more advanced. And of course, the Bible says, you know, like Hebrews, it says, hey, I'd love to go on to all these other things you know, baptisms, all these, but you need again for me to, to go over the basics. And Peter in first Peter says, look, you know, um, I know it's, it may be tedious to you, uh, but it's necessary for me to remind you of these same things. So we're going to talk today about one of the topics white Tyrone gave us, which is discipleship. His and question, which, by was, the way, before we get into the actual topic, if you're interested in sponsoring the Church Planner Podcast or Church Planner Magazine, we would love to talk to you. And you would actually talk to White Tyrone because he can give you all the specs. So there. Now, because he's always on me about, hey, can you guys mention on the podcast that 
I'm available to help them get in the magazine. So there you go. Absolutely. And if you want to get in touch with him, it's not White Tyrone at Church Planner Magazine. <laughs> Actually, no, no. You can do Tyrone at Church Planner Magazine or White Tyrone at Church Planner Magazine. Because <laughs> by He's the like, time I'm this airs, right now, <laughs> I am creating that email address. It's going to go <laughs> through to him. Guaranteed. Well, cool, man. So uh, we're going to talk today about how to make a disciple. Pete, how do we make disciples? Man, uh, you had me at hello. <laughs> Asking me how you make disciples? I don't have a clue. Not even well, sure what a disciple is. Ooh, good starting Neither point. do I. Back to mops. <laughs> <laughs> that was I don't my know if you're keeping up with current affairs. We're getting our butts kicked, man. <laughs> I have no idea how to do it. I can't do a Wookiee. I can't roll my R's. Like I'm horrible at Spanish, but I I can't do a Wookiee. I am. I I didn't tell you about this. Wait, wait, wait. Ho, 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 ho. (laughs) People are going to be like, what is that? That was actually Job of the Hut. I could tell what that one was. I'm not dead yet. Uh, You know, we can just keep this up all day, right? (laughs) Hey, I got to take a leak so bad I can taste it. No, I know, and knowing's half the battle. Oh, <laughs> wait, no, no, do the do the one from the Seventh Day Adventist. <laughs> I think the funniest part of this is we've probably lost half the audience right now. They're like, I don't know what this show is all about, but I'm not listening. You know, when we go this far off the track, I always picture Todd Wilson listening, going, idiots. Who's Todd Wilson? (laughs) That is the question, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyway, on to the subject. I had some, I actually had a good comment, and then we got off on that tangent. Now I don't even remember what it was anymore. It's gone. (laughs) It's long gone. All right. So here's the thing. By the way, Todd Wilson is the uh, founder of Exponential. Found, I thought Dave was the founder. No, they neither one of them founded it. Oh, Didn't yeah. they buy it? They bought Exponential and then they grew it. Oh yeah, that's true. So they that's didn't found it. Yeah, that's true. They're that's the true. they're the major promoters behind Exponential that turned it into the behemoth it is today. Absolutely, he's the businessman. There you go. Which, he's by the, the way, Todd. as another he's commercial. The He's White Todd. If you haven't signed up for our webinar with Dave Ferguson on Mm. July 15th, you need to do it because spots are filling up. You go to churchplanterwebinar.com, churchplanterwebinar.com, and and get registered. It's going to be 9 a.m. Pacific time on July 15th with Dave Ferguson. We're going to talk about planning churches that plant churches, how to do it. It's a how-to webinar. Yeah, and just so you know, like this thing is the bomb. I mean, Dave is bringing the napkins, baby. He is <laughs> making the diagrams. It is pretty cool. And if you so, don't know what bringing the napkins means, you'll find out on the webinar. I, I was just thinking, they must think that's like a euphemism for something. Bringing the napkins. It actually made so much to me as a salesperson, which is really funny. Oh, no such thing as bad student, only bad teacher. Ooh, Miyagi. that's a little Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, isn't no, it? No, that was Karate Kid. I just can't do Miyagi. Really? It sounded so, do you remember the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies? Um, whatever yeah. the name of the rat was. What was the rat? Splinter? Splinter. Yeah. That's current news from my house, man, because me and Liberty watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles all the time. Well, Splinter, I mean, you did his voice spot on. That's why it sounded oh, right so on. much cool. like him. I was aiming for Miyagi. <laughs> I wasn't aiming for the rat. I was aiming for an actual man, but you know, whatever. (laughs) I landed on a cartoon rat. So, Hey, here's the deal. So how to make disciples, you know, it's so funny because we all need to make disciples. That is the great commission. And the way that you make disciples, you know, here's the deal. Let me just start off with the story about the importance of discipleship. I went into ministry when I was 19 years old. Um, My mentor, my youth pastor, the guy who discipled me in preaching, ministry, everything. His wife got schizophrenia, and um, or at least it had developed and and it started to show. 
and uh, which I would love to have him on the podcast sometime. He wrote a book called Hard Faith. Absolutely incredible. Excuse me. Do we have to have uh, another author on? Sorry. That, oh, dude, that's... It's, it's amazing. This guy. Wow. Just I have to agree with Pete. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know my sound effect machine. I had to throw it in. Yeah, you know what? One one of uh, another guy like totally tweeted that to me. This I have to say, I agree with Pete. <laughs> it's like a virus; it's spreading. So, anyways, so um, nineteen years old, and uh, speaking of cartoons, I remember watching a cartoon uh, back in the nineties called The Tick, and I was hanging out and uh, Saturday morning. Ben Edlin, great cartoon, just comedic gold. And I'm hanging out there, and I, I always watch cartoons on Saturday morning. And uh, anyways, I'm hanging out and I should be youth pastor or doing something. And the Lord spoke to me and he was like, you need to go uh, disciple Nick. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. So another week went by, Lord speaking to me again. I felt this one, I, it must've been a couple weeks I put it off. In one week, I felt like the Lord yelled at me, like shouted at me, um, go to Nick's house. And so I get up and I'm like, okay. I literally said to God, like, okay, you know, like a crazy person. But I felt like God was saying to me, you're not putting me off on this. Like it, it felt like the Lord is shouting at me. So that's not common for me. So it, it was kind of weird. And I went to this kid's house. I knocked on his door. It was really uncomfortable. I felt stupid. And I'm a youth pastor. Now all these kids, none of them were saved, right? I had a youth group of, I, t I inherited a youth group of about eight kids. It quickly dropped to four within four weeks. They're like, hey, who's this guy? We don't want him. And then it started growing when we got kids coming up from like junior high, right? So it wasn't like phenomenal growth in the beginning. And uh, so this kid, you know, he was kind of, he was really charismatic, and, and but he was quiet. These kids used to like sit in the back of my youth group with their jaw hanging open, with their tongue hanging out and their eyes practically closed as if they were falling asleep while I was talking. And I found out later when they got saved that they actually like made a plan, hey, let's pretend we're falling asleep while he's preaching. And uh, so that, that was kind of it. And it, you know, to them, youth group was a joke, everything is a joke. And I, I just showed up to his house and I started to, I, I said, hey, Nick, he answers the door. I'm like, uh, actually, he wasn't him, it was his dad. His dad opens the door and goes, yeah. And I go, hey, uh, how you doing? Knew his dad, went to church. I said, I'm, I'm here to talk to Nick. He goes, oh, he's in bed. And he goes, yeah, come on back. He walks me down the hallway. He goes, Nick, you bum, wake up. And so I, 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 I'm like standing in his room and the kid's asleep. He's like, what do you want? And it was like 11 in the morning. And I said, oh, I just want to talk to you, man. Like, just want to share some things with you. You know, you got a couple minutes. He's like, yeah. And I sat down with him and I opened the Bible and I said, I just want to, you know, you're on my heart. I, I, I was praying and felt actually I was watching cartoons, but it sounded more spiritual to say I was praying. <laughs> I said, you relate on my heart and uh, I wanted to come talk to you about the Lord. Is that cool? And he goes, okay. You know, like kids like at that age are like, eh, they just grunt. That's kind of what he did. And uh, I went through the first few verses of first John, you know, in the beginning, you know, uh, or him whom we have known from the beginning, whom our eyes have seen and our hands have touched, uh, our ears have heard, him we proclaim to you concerning the word of eternal life, you know, um, blah, 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 life was manifest in the flesh, blah, blah, blah. So, I, or we write these things so that your joy may be complete. And I'm like, Nick, he's saying right there, we knew him physically, but you can know him spiritually. And you can know him. What he's really saying is you can know him as much as we did. In fact, in the spirit, maybe more. He's bringing you into his inner circle. And and I could just sense the Holy Spirit. Well, it turns out years later, um, he confesses to me that that day that I came over to his house, um, he said, I, I got saved that day. Like that night, I was supposed to go to a party and all my friends were, you know, they all did drugs and um, starting that night at that party, first time. And he goes, and I was kept from that. And um, that was a turning point for him. And so I started meeting with him week after week. And then I started discipling his friends. Then I discipled a group. I'm just telling you, I had the most white hot youth group. As soon as I started discipling, um, and, and my group was growing by leaps and bounds with boys, like 
you know, high school kids, boys, males. And I started dating my wife and I said, hey, I've got this like lopsided group and all the girls in the group are really jealous because I'm spending all the time with the guys. Would you come in? Suddenly my group started growing leaps and bounds with girls. And I just discipled them. I would meet them in the week. We'd, I'd take them out to McDonald's and eat with them and open up the scripture and talk. It was just spending time. I think the number one key to making disciples is spending time with people. And the number one thing I learned as I look back, I've got guys now who are authors. Um, I've got guys that have gone on to bigger and better things. Um, but one thing I noticed, every kid I invested in and discipled, and, and same with adult ministry, has become a leader. Hmm. So the key then to discipling, it's it's more than just spending time, but it's spending time with a purpose, right? Yeah, I mean, in, in one sense, I would say, you know, if, if I want to kind of make an awesome headline, I would say um, the key is just showing up. You know, because it is, it, it is time. It's, it's, it's time with a purpose, but it, you know, you hear the buzzword going around right now about spinning life, you know, uh, doing life together. Um, <laughs> That's such a stupid line. It, it is. We it do is. life together. It, it, you know, it's one of those trendy hipster terms. Oh, that I is. know. It's just lame. It's That's, just lame. And I am so not a hipster. That's why I think it just like, it's kind of like praise music. It's nails on a chalkboard to me. Hey. There are two types of church planners in this world, those that wear skinny jeans, which I am not, and those who wear dickies. I, I'm sure you can do the math, right? Or those don't um, wear, that don't wear pants. That's weird. <laughs> Never mind. And I'm not wearing any pants. Check, please. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I totally took that conversation off the rails. <laughs> I don't know. It was an attempt. Does that work? People are like, shut up and get back to the meat. Icky, 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 wombat, pating, zip. How's that? What is that from? That's from the Knights Who Say Me. Oh, see, I'm not a big Monty Python fan. That doesn't do it for me. Oh, yeah. No, you missed out, man, big time. You got to kind of be like part geek. But you can't quote it. You can't quote it. Then you're too geeky. But you can enjoy the movie and know the quotes. You just can't say them. That is the rule. You've gone too far. Mm. You stand around doing dueling quotes from, uh, you know. All right. Anyway, back to the subject. Uh, Can I do one more? No, no. You got to find a more appropriate time to put it in. Save it. I'll save it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's in my head now. I can't get it out. So. Yeah, so back to... Looks like I picked the wrong time to quit amphetamines. Sorry. (laughs) It's your lawnmower blade. Mm -hmm. I'm fixing to kill you with it. What is that from? Sling blade. See, no, if you're going to do sling blade, you got to go. Some people call it a Kaiser blade. I call it a sling blade. (laughs) That's how you're going to do sling. I mean, come on. You got to do it right or don't do it at all. Fried potatoes. Dude, I, I, okay, before we move on, now you got me off. I got to tell you a story about Sling Blade. True story. I kid you not. At the time in my life when I saw that movie, I had uh, two really good friends. Um, you know, we weren't, none of us were, were married at the time. And we lived in a studio apartment down by the beach that was so tiny. It was meant for one person. And there's three of us. And we had zero furniture. So I had um, newspaper on the ground. <laughs> That's where my bed was. I don't even know if the other guys had anything on the ground for their bed. We had a uh, milk crate, you know, one of those plastic milk crates that we had a TV on and the TV didn't work right. So like the picture was always like moving <laughs> on you. <laughs> and and I had a job at that time. Those were the good old days, man. We oh. had to like adjust that little dial. Remember oh, that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Th- there's no remote for this TV. I don't remember what that dial was called. But, like, remember that? You had to, like, mess with it to get, you know. Rabbit ears, baby. Rabbit ears. You got to remember the rabbit ears. If you didn't have rabbit ears, there was that dial that was, like, built in. Remember that? So, um, at the time, I had a job that started at 6 a.m. And I'm so not a morning person. So, I had to get up at, like, you know, 4.30 every morning, get showered to drive there and get to this this job on time. And um, 
the one night they were watching Sling Blade, and I was like so tired because I'd be going to bed at like eight thirty, nine o'clock, and I'm like, I I gotta go to bed, and so I fell asleep. And the next day, I'm like, yeah. So what happened in that Sling Blade movie? I fell asleep, and and they go, oh, did you? <laughs> were you awake when um, the guy kissed the boy? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, what? Because you know. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton plays, you know, I don't know what he plays, right? And so I'm literally like, I don't know if I want to watch this movie, man. I want to see some dude kissing a boy. And so for the longest time, he'd be like, ah, yeah, he fell asleep before the guy kissed the boy. Like everyone we talked to, oh, yeah, he fell asleep before the guy kissed the boy. But that doesn't happen if you haven't seen the movie, but I didn't know it for the longest time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay, so back to this. Um you know, this, this track down memory lane, I, I don't know why it came into my mind when you're talking, but remember when you used to go through the mall and they had the dude play in the organ and yeah. there was like the organ store and he's like, and he'd like stand there playing the organ. Like they kind of push the organ like partially out into the mall, like right at the doorway. And like you're like, wow, man, listen to Hammond, Oregon, you know, and you'd be walking through. Uh, good times. <laughs> I really thought you were going to bring that back to discipleship. I was no. like, I was like, wow, we're, how's this no, going to come back around? Like, no, no, had it, it was. Hey, just I would just like things. to say, I would just like to say, when the three of us were living in that studio apartment, we were doing life together. <laughs> <laughs> That's lame. So, so here's the deal, right? At the end of the day, though, it is, it is about showing someone your life. And that's what Jesus did, right? He lives with these guys for three years. And I'm not saying you got to have people live in your house, but the apostle Paul was able to say for, you know, my manner of life when I was amongst you. And then he also could say, you know, the things that you saw and heard in me, these things do and put into practice. The problem is what happens often is we live a life, like Charles Spurgeon said, when he was in the pulpit, people said he should never come out. When he is out of the pulpit, people said he should never go back in. And so your life has to be consistent. And, you know, people will forget what you say, kind of like the Hammond organ, right? That never happened. The organ store that was such a phenomenon and such a boom. There you go. There's the tie in. It <laughs> never really happened. Like, you know, people are just, they could never, the reason it's funny is because you just can't picture that actually being a thing. That's what a lot of our sermons are like, right? Like they never existed, right? Wasn't it uh, Keats that said, here lies a man on his tombstone whose name is written in, or whose words are written in water. The reality is that your sermons, people will forget them. Heck, you can't even remember what you preach, okay? Hopefully there's been an impact on their soul. That's the nature of preaching. But discipleship takes things. It just accelerates things. Jesus didn't say, go and make people who listen to sermons. Go and make uh, you know uh, listeners. He said, make disciples. And disciples means student, okay? A disciple literally means someone who has learned from traveling with you, walking with you. And so when you wanted Jesus's model of discipleship is based on the rabbinical learning method, which if you wanted to become a disciple or a student of a rabbi, you left your house, you left your trade. And when Jesus says, come and follow me, you know, leave everything, leave your nets. He was literally telling him, you follow me like a rabbi and you live with me and walk with me. Now, that's no different, but we also have the model of mentorship in the Bible. Paul mentors Timothy. Um, Jesus mentored the 12. And case in point, it's a small number because you can't mentor everybody in your church. But what you can do is select a handful of people, mentor them one by one. I always would mentor the new converts. I would meet with them at like seven in the morning, go out to breakfast. They would pay. Um, in, in the evening, I would go to their house or they would come to my house, you know, and I can only do a handful at a time. You know, I think the maximum I did was like three or four at a time. If I did a discipleship group and guys are great for this, you get them together that, you know, 10 to 12 guys at a time and you can disciple them weekly. That's powerful stuff. And you need to be doing stuff like so that. So is that more like the cog then? Basically, that we've got at our church, the uh, midweek Bible study, because I mean, that's what that says to me. It's basically, you know, 
10, 12 guys getting together, shooting yeah. the breeze. Yes, yeah. there's a Bible study, but you know, we're all talking about what's going on in life. Yeah, in the UK, we used to meet in the pub. And, you know, it's very much a cultural thing. Uh, we'd be sitting there with a pint of beer. And I can remember we started doing it like, you know, like people would just be, oh, what's going on over here, blah, blah, blah. And we just get in conversation. That's what pubs are known for. Um, they're known for being like little mini communities. So it wasn't a closed group. But, man, I learned things about guys, you know, they would start sharing. Like, when do you ever get a chance, even in a cog? Right. Like cog, when it's a mixed group, it's different. When I meet with a bunch of guys up close and personal, they start telling me about, you know, I fell in love with a chick and she broke my heart when I was 19. And from years on, you know, I've been looking for this approval on a woman. It's gotten me in all kinds of problems over the years because, you know, I went from conquest to conquest. Even now I have these temptations to flirt with women. And it's got me in trouble in my marriage. And guys just start breaking open. One guy's like, I was abused and beaten and boom, boom, boom. And that's why I'm violent. And I always carry a knife with me because I'm always ready to throw down. And like, you just, you get to the heart of issues then. And that's true discipleship. One of the, the benefits of discipleship is that the real them comes out. If the real them isn't coming out, then it's not discipleship. You have to really, like like with the 12, right? Like you read the, the gospel accounts and <laughs> you, you see their issues, right? Like James and John are like, they get their mom to go, hey, you know, uh, can my son sit at your right hand? They'd really like to be top dogs in this outfit. Um, James James and John also, you know, they, they, you know, Lord, call down fire on those people. You wouldn't listen to him, kill him, you know? And, uh, and Jesus laughs at him. You know, he identifies their issues and goes, you guys are hotheads, man. I'm calling you sons of thunder from now on. And he identifies that. Peter, I mean, you see Peter's issues coming out. And uh, funny enough, James, John, and Peter, we see their issues in the Gospels more than anybody. And the reason I believe is because those are the three that amongst those 12, Jesus actually took them into the inner ring, the inner circle, and spent more time. When he goes off to pray, the night he's betrayed, he says, uh, hey, come pray with me. Calls those three aside. He takes those three up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's constantly singling those three out. And Paul, when in Galatians, he's talking, he says, and when I went to Jerusalem, I quickly perceived that James, John, and James, or James, Peter, and John were pillars. He identifies them as pillars, which is a way of saying they were kind of the guys upholding the rest of the team. So what? What's the difference between being a friend and discipling? Or is there a difference? I mean, what are you saying here exactly? Yeah, no. Um, it's funny you say that because I believe that if you disciple someone, you become a friend. Um, you, you can't have discipleship without friendship. And Paul, uh, when Paul speaks about his partners, you get the 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 impression that he's discipled them so much that they are tight, so tight that Paul abandons terms of friendship and he uses terms of family. So when he says, Timothy, my true son in the faith, right? Um, when he says about Onesiphorus, he says, you know, the Lord spared uh, his life to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. So you get this idea that there's these tight bonds, right? Um, I will forever be bonded to my mentors. And I have them. I have Eric Fulmer, who's a guy who led me to Christ. I have Dan Berg, who when Eric went off to become an evangelist, Dan Berg is a furniture repairman. I dedicated Church Zero uh, partially to him and to Eric. Um, you know, uh, Dan Berg was a guy that, that gave me my first shot at preaching in church, discipled me in, in preaching and teaching and evangelism, partnered with me, uh, made me one of his interns, his assistant, um, and, and spent countless Friday nights opening up his home so that we could watch late night rap videos and cry. Uh, I think we talked about this another week, but he would come and debrief with me. You know, afterwards he'd say, come over to my house. We'd make, you know, hamburgers or whatever. He was so poor, man. Um, I, I feel bad. I was a teenager. I ate everything he had. And he didn't, he never complained. And I, I was too young to know how uncool that was, but I ate all his food, but he would disciple the crud out of me. And it, it, it was just, it was that man. He would talk me through stuff today, like no joke today. Um, I sent out a letter. Um, 
I, it's a sore spot with me and you because I change it. <laughs> you got to tell them why it's a sore spot. For me, it's a sore spot. It's a sore spot with Pete. For me, I'm like, hey, man, this is like, I got an incredible response off this letter. Pete's like, yeah, you changed it. You would have gotten a better response if you didn't change it. See, to me, you just make the I'm same. I'm pausing because I know you're going to talk. Y- you make the same mistake that every business owner that hires me makes. And with you, I think it irritates me more than the others because they pay me for me to deal with their idiosity. And you don't pay me to deal with your idiosity. So it just drives me up the wall. It's, it's, it's like all my mentors have said over the years. The same comments. You frustrate me to no end. <laughs> They're actually or, clients. Or to quote another movie, you fascinate me. <laughs> There, there's um, there, there's something that I do when I'm dealing with someone who I know is going to be a pain in the neck to work with. I usually charge them like twenty percent more. And I, <laughs> I, I, I kid you not, I do this annoyance charges. Well, and I put it on a sticky note, and I stick that sticky note on their folder. So every time they tick me off, I look over at that folder and I see the dollar amount that I charged them extra to deal with the it. crap that they're sending me right now. Oh, it's great. But I don't, I don't, my sticky folder, my, my sticky note for you on your folder is zero. And I, I think that's why it annoys me to no end. You take, that's awesome. You take a great letter that I know will work and you change it. You haven't even seen how I change it. I don't even it. care. You gotta look at it. First. I'm the expert. You're not. <laughs> no argument there. And hey, chief moron in the house, everybody. Chief moron. Well, but this was the, the best to me is the other day we were talking about um, the postcards because we're going to a pastor's conference. I don't know, in like a week or something. And so you wanted to have these postcards done for it. And we did a postcard there like two years ago that we got something like a 13 or 14 percent pull rate, which is yeah. insane in marketing. Yeah, insane. it was crazy. It was off the charts, off the chain crazy. And because I even told you before we did that, because that was when we were first starting to work together. I go, look, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be ugly. And I know and how, like, would. yeah. And I'm like, I know how you are. You're going to hate it, but just trust me on this. And at that time you go, all right, because nothing I do works. And you were like, like totally just, <laughs> uh, okay, I'll trust you. And then we got like a 13% pull rate. I, I mean, no one else even came close to what we got at this conference. I mean, it's, everyone it's else is so like, funny, dude, because like this guy comes up to me and goes, what's this? It looks like one of those like cheesy 80s marketing things. And I'm like, yeah, it's funny you say that. I'm like, but you know what's funny is you're standing here talking to me about it right now, aren't you? <laughs> so so then well, you got your attention in it. And you, and you like no, hit me up last you. week and you're like, oh, hey, can we do a, another postcard? And this is what I want to do for it. And I'm like, I don't get this. We, we did this and it worked like nothing else we'd ever done. You know, why do we want to change it? Why don't we just go back to the well and keep using what already worked? And then you're like, well, can we just make it look prettier? And I'm like, dude, yeah. 13%. <laughs> don't mess till, with 13%. Till the day I die, I'm going to want to marry genius and pretty. I want a smart and pretty wife. Pete wants me to have an ugly marketing system that works. And you know what? I don't no 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 no. no, I'm no. Teasing, I'm it's teasing. not about being ugly. It's about working. If pretty worked, I would be all for pretty. Well, it doesn't. But like doesn't. here's the thing. Like seriously, we had sexy cards. I had sexy cards for years, man, and they did nothing. But anyways, so so the point is, I I send this letter out, right? My mentor is like, he gets it because he's on that mailing list, and uh, he gets it, and he goes, Peyton. He goes, I was looking at your letter. He goes, I just got to say this to you, man. Because remember, we <laughs> no, had an endorsement. This, this is, oh, no, this is this is scaring me because I didn't hear what he said. Well, see, remember, we were going to send an endorsement letter. Yeah. And I put the oh, endorsement Oh, that mentor? Was it. it that mentor? Yeah. No, 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 no. It's not that mentor. Oh, okay. It's it's Dan. It's the furniture repairman, Dan Berg. Oh, okay. And uh, the author of Hard Faith. And so he, and probably the mentor who mentored me the most, like he, he just, like the core of everything I am goes back to this guy. And he just wrote me and he goes, Peyton, I, he loved the whole letter. Like I was, I thought he was going to tell me off or wasn't like, you know, hey, I can help you, you know, is your church shrinking, you know, are you having a hard time reaching a loss? I thought he was going to think it was arrogant. What he says, he goes, no, it's the opposite. He goes, Peyton, 
you don't need anyone to endorse you. He goes, I was at this meeting up in Oregon and you know, I meet with all these pastors. He goes, they're all reading your book. You came up naturally in the topic of conversation. They're like, I'm reading this guy's book. It's awesome. They're like, cha-ching, look at that. And he goes, you know, boom, boom, boom. He goes, you came up and I'm just sitting there. They, they asked, you know, have you guys heard of this guy? He's thinking, you know, of course, you know, like I, I discipled this dude. Like when he was a year old. <laughs> he's boy. where he is today because of me. <laughs> well, no, but he didn't say he's, you got I know, I know, Not like that I know. I'm but, just messing. But the funny thing, he said, no, I beamed with pride, like a father would for a son. But what was so cool is he spoken in my life. He goes, Peyton, I just telling you, you don't ever need anyone to, um, he goes to, to, to recommend you. You're doing what God has you do. And he goes, I'm just telling you, um, just keep doing what God's ha- got you doing. He goes, I would just say to you, like Paul, uh, how Paul wrote, you need no letters. You know, because I wrote, I wrote this letter of recommendation. My mentor actually wrote, um, my sending pastor wrote a letter of recommendation to send out because a lot of these pastors are like, well, who is this guy? You know, I want to know someone else who backs him. And so I popped that in there and he's spoken in my life and goes, Peyton, you don't need that. Paul said, for I don't need to send letters of recommendation uh, to you for, you know, my life and ministry he goes, Peyton, I'm just saying you're having an impact in the circles I'm in and you don't even live up in Oregon. So he said, just no, boom, boom, boom. And I needed that. Like I actually, it, it just goes to show like, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, you, we all need mentorship. We all need discipleship. We, we all have people that can get us further faster and can invest and pour into us. And it was just cool, man. You know? And so, um, but, but that's how he decided he continues to disciple me, you know? Hmm. Interesting. I get it. So, so, so number one, okay. So how do you disciple someone? Just brass tacks now, right? What do I do? That's the question people are really asking. Right? Like, like Pete said, you know, doing life together. What does that mean? You know, does that mean like I go to the supermarket and we do our groceries together? You know, we shop together. Maybe I, my mentor, I, I remember watching him. We go uh, every uh, Friday night after we do these awesome outreaches. We go and he'd go through the line. I would watch him share the gospel with people. He told me today, he goes, Peyton, I just want someone to hit the streets with me. Is he's like 60 years old and he's still hitting the streets. And he's awesome. He goes, he tells me a story today. He goes, I just hate it when they stand behind you. He goes, I got, I got two guys in front of me. And, I, and then I got some guys standing behind me. And he's like, I don't like that. And he goes, oh, I'm like, he's still pretty rock and roll. He's like, I want to tell him, hey, get over there. And he said that uh, he was sharing the gospel and the guy's like, hey, um, uh, you should be, a, you know, or something. The guy said, he goes, I turned around and said, I'm not scared of you. <laughs> the guy goes, you're not. You should be. And he goes, no, I'm not scared of you. He goes, uh, you know, but you know what? The Lord Jesus, he's he's someone that needs to be reckoned with. You should come over here and listen to this. <laughs> that guy's like, Rrr. and then try to get into the conversation. But I tell you, I respect the heck out of my mentor. He can say whatever he wants to me, and I'm going to listen. But here, here's the deal. He took me through the word. Very first thing he started doing is he took me through First John, and he took the, took me through Mark. And he'd sit down. He got me Wearsby commentaries. He goes, read these when we're not together. We'll get back together. He goes, you got to know these two books. Now, I don't know why he told me that, but First John is always the book I sit down and disciple people through. It's about knowing you know him. It talks about all these key areas of your life. I won't go into it now, but uh, that is a powerful book. But if, if you're like, well, I don't know how to do that. What I would do is I'd sit down, go through three, four verses at a time with someone, and I ask them questions. What do you think John's saying here? I don't know. Well, look at what he says here. Boom, boom, boom. What do you think he's saying? Uh, maybe that boom, 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 boom. Yeah, okay, well, how does that work in your life? That's how the conversation goes. But if you're not sure or comfortable doing that, and you feel like, I really need like tools, um, Francis Chan and David Platt came out with a book called multiply and you buy it in twos you don't buy one copy you buy two copies and remember pete we gave it out to the church yeah um, i still have so it that, unread sitting on my uh, desk as people do and <laughs> and here's the thing is you're meant to it's the answer to that question francis chan david platt knew that people are like okay pastors tell me to disciple people i have no clue what he's talking about so they collaborated on a book and said this is a book you buy it in twos one for you one for the guy you're discipling, and it's literally training wheels on how to disciple somebody. You take them through the book. It's that simple. That means I could walk across the street to my neighbor, 
and I could say, hey, you know how we've been talking about stuff and you say you're interested in spiritual things? Why don't we meet every Tuesday night, grab a beer or a coffee, and go through this book together for an hour? Boom. Done. Right? That's it. I dig it, man. I dig it. And also from a marketing standpoint, he gets people to buy two books instead of one. It's brilliant. Cha-ching. It really is. Yeah. I accept that it's good. It's good for people. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean that in the negative way. And you also pray with them. Always get them to pray. I think one of the key things with discipleship is that um, you can tell people who haven't been discipled. People who do not want to pray out loud have just not been discipled. And I kind of... (laughs) Do do you know anybody like that? I was not thinking of you. (laughs) Um, Hi, would you be willing to anoint people with oil and pray with them? Oh, my gosh. No. Yeah, we've told that story. (laughs) So we're at the exponential conference and this lady comes up to me. Hey, would you be willing to anoint people with oil and pray with them? No, no. But what was awesome is, is you stand there and just stare at her. Well, I stared at her and I'm like, hi, my name is Pete. Like she didn't even know who I was. We hadn't even been introduced. You pause for the long, to the point where it's awkward. And then you go, hi, my name's Pete. As if to say, like, and then you said, you even know who I am? Like, do you have any clue? Like, Pete's going, he's not being like, do you know who I am? If you knew who I was, you wouldn't be asking me to pray with people. Exactly. Totally. If you knew who I was, you would not be asking me, you know, boom, boom, boom. Here's the deal. That, that was a quote from John, by the way. I dig it. Dude is a sound effect. Uh, what? What? <laughs> Got to do it in a woman's voice now. Here's the deal. Can't do it. Okay, so so teaching is how we've okay the the, the word means uh, student or learner disciple okay, but discipleship it, our definition in the West of discipleship is so faulty because we always make it uh, passing knowledge on. But as I've said before on the podcast, unfortunately, more people too many people have more knowledge than they have experience, so they're head heavy. Um, they've read stuff from books, but they haven't lived it, right? You can go through seminary. You can learn all about ministry and never do ministry. And when you come out, you just, you're this giant head. You're like a, a you know, uh, Transaurus Rex, right? T-Rex. You, you got this giant head and you got these teeny little arms. You can't do anything, right? Except for use your big mouth. And so the reality is Jesus didn't see discipleship that way. Jesus was like, look. Um, you need to get out and travel through all the cities of Judea, right? He makes them heal people. He makes them feed people, the the feeding of the 5,000. He makes them walk on water. For Jesus, it was always cool that you're listening to me, but at a certain point when you show up for teaching, I'm going to tell you, go throughout all the cities of Judea. Today's lesson is go out and do the stuff that I've been telling you about. So they accompanied Jesus on his mission. They did the stuff that he does. And then he turns around and says, now, I tell you, you will do greater things than you have seen me do. Does that make sense? Not that last part. Repeat that for me. I'm slow, remember? Jesus's goal for them is to do more and to do greater things than what it is. So, so kind of like, you know, uh, Darth Vader, where he goes, you know, um, now the, the, the student has become the master, right? Um, eventually, what, what every good mentor, what every good teacher is looking for is that his student will excel him and surpass him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's, your, that's what you want. You want every teacher to eventually not need you anymore. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So you want them to become a master at what they're doing. So um, Jesus tells them, I want, you know, he says, you will do greater works than what you've seen me do. Well, in, in one sense, I mean, Peter uh, standing up, seeing 3,000 conversions. We forget that if Jesus had crowds of upwards 5,000 people following him, Jesus turns around and gets rid of them, right? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Peter on the day of Pentecost stands up and 3,000 men, not counting women and children, come to faith. Jesus never did that in his ministry because he never aimed to do that in his ministry. He left enough undone for them to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Jesus never went beyond uh, the region of Judea. So 
you see that G. Well, he did. Sorry, he went into Samaria. He went to Decapolis, but he never left uh, Judah. He never left Israel proper. He stayed within there, but he let them carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. Plus miracles. Um, they ended up doing all kinds of miracles. They raised the dead on a regular basis. I mean, Peter's first miracle, boom, right? After Jesus is risen from the dead, he does, uh, you know, the, the man born blind at the gate. Uh, he he uh, causes that guy, or sorry, not, not born blind, uh, the guy that was crippled, right, for 40 years. He heals that guy. And Jesus wanted them to replace the ministry that he left undone. And so he says, you'll do greater works than these. Hmm. They would go further, they would go faster, and they would reach more people. They would surpass what he did physically, but they would do it through his spirit, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I get it. So Jesus has to train them hands-on. So you can't disciple people just by getting together, opening the Bible, and drinking cups of coffee. You have to actually go on mission, or as my mentor said today, I, I want someone to walk the streets with me. Um, my mentor took me out. In fact, the first guy to leave me uh, out on the mission field is the guy that led me to Christ. You know what? And I got to stop you right there. That I think is a. <clears throat> I think you just hit on something really profound, and I, I, I don't want it to like go by unnoticed. But if if the the heart of discipleship is to get people to uh, do greater works, you know, using the example that you just gave, then, like you said. I mean, th this was the this was a statement that was profound to me. It's not just about getting together over coffee, reading, talking, whatever, but it's about taking action. Because how you train someone, they're going to repeat that when they go out and train someone. I mean, we know that in business, right? So we know that if you train someone by sitting behind a desk, all they're going to want to do is sit behind a desk. They're not going to want to actually go out and do things. Never works with salespeople. Best way to train a salesperson is you go out on sales calls with them. And you show them yeah. in action, this is how you do it. So, I mean, I, that that statement of getting out there on mission, um, getting out there, like you said, walking the streets with someone. I mean, whether it's walking the streets or whatever, however you do um, outreach, that, that to me is such a profound statement. That is discipleship. So it's the combination of getting together over coffee and going out on mission together. Well, that's it, right? Like you, you would agree. Refuge Long Beach is not an easy church to go to, right? I mean, it's 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 a hard church to go to. It's kind of scary. You have kids. There's freaky people around. Um, you know, it, it's difficult. But uh, kind of like Jimbo and Heather, they came back last Sunday, and they're like, you know, <laughs> we shamed not, them into coming back. Woohoo! Uh, yeah, but I'm kidding, but Jimbo. They said, look, it's not an easy church to come to, but. We've been ruined. We've been wrecked. So in other words, they were getting discipled on mission. Part of the apostolic gifting is whereas the evangelist brings the non-believer in, the apostle takes the believers out. So he's more concerned, the apostolic leader is more concerned with putting the church on mission rather than getting non-believers in. Does that make sense? There's, mm -hmm. a, there's a subtle difference, but it's an important one. So... Uh, the reason they call movement makers is because the apostolic guy is church planning, but in so doing, he's discipling people to be missionaries, right? Kind of like Mark Driscoll used to say, I'm not a pastor of, of, of Christians. Um, I am a motivator of missionaries. So that's the apostolic gift in play, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, you got to get them out there. Like you said, if you train them for a desk job, they'll be pencil pencil pushers for Jesus. If you just stay in your study uh, all the time and someone says, hey, I want to come intern with you. You're like, well, okay, like sit next to me in my office. <laughs> That's not very exciting. But if you are reaching lost people, so like we got interns coming, um, you know, we'll take them to the barbecue, you know, coming up this week, you know, they'll go to the barbecue and we'll be like, this is how you throw a barbecue in the park. And this is how you interact with people that come to this free barbecue. You need to see this in action. It's awesome, right? And so uh, for me, I'm not content just to take an intern. I have to take the whole church there and disciple the whole church and tell them, look, guys, there are things we're sacrificing to do this. This is not uh, the church growth movement in play. We're not taking a church and making it super comfortable 
um, super consumer driven, um, meeting everyone's wishes and desires and blah, 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 so that we attract a bunch of Christians. We are literally starting a movement of missionaries. And in order to do that, I have to lead. I have to be willing to make missionary sacrifices. I have to go into a neighborhood and take people with me and train them as missionaries. And that's what's happened. Mm. Even to our Sunday school. We talked about Sunday school last week. Yep. Um, in our Sunday school meeting, uh, I mean, in our uh, leaders meeting, the two Sunday school people were like, hey, um, we have had to revamp everything that we did in megachurch and basically tailor it for church planning. We want to teach other church planners all about that, how to do uh, what we're doing and how church planning and, and starting a Sunday school is different in a church plant than it would be for megachurch. And that, that, that would be That's what we topic. should have done. Yeah, we should have interviewed them for that episode. I, you know, I asked him, I told him, I said, you know, Pete and I kind of winged it and we kind of sucked at it. Um, we gave some of the principles, but we loved hey, it. They're hey, like, let's, it let, let, let's be fair about this. You sucked at it. I, I'm here for comedy. <laughs> I, absolutely. I did. No one listens it. to the Church Planner podcast to hear the wisdom pour out of Pete's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. I, I think you're, oh, you're, you're wise when I let you speak. When I let you speak, I love it. I'm just holding the conch oh, now. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Pete should only Pete should do the Java laugh. Here's a Java Nobada. Oh, that's I a good you, one. I take you Java now. Serve your master well, and you will be rewarded. That's the quote that I'm dying to get on here. I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> let the Wookie win. So okay, wait, wait. So I, got, I got one more. I got one more. This is Frank Viola. Sorry, that's all I got. <laughs> I can't pull a jaw off, but I'd love to. I, oh, that would be such a gift. If I could do the Jawa sound effect, my life would be so much better. So, okay. So, uh, lastly, so you get them on mission and you take them out there. And, and Jesus said, didn't he? You know, this was the goal. When uh, it is enough for uh, a disciple to be, or when, uh, sorry, the quote is, when the disciple is fully formed, he will be like his master. And so that's what we're looking to see. We're looking to see a disciple become like his master. So, um, you know, mentorship, I was talking with um, Cameron Barber in closing. And uh, today he was he was telling me because, you know, things are going pretty well for Cam. He's up in Tacoma and uh, he, you know, it's been a struggle for him for a long time. And I remember teaching this course. I can't remember. I think we had like 30 guys or something. And it was it ran for a month. And uh, I was one of the key trainers in it. It was called Fit for the Field. We ran it out of Marietta. And uh, as residential, these guys came and um, they invested all this time. And I remember my constant message to them was, it's hard, it sucks, and endurance is the key. And... It's so funny because he said to me today, he goes, I remember you coming to that. And because I'm always telling Cam, I'm so proud of you, man. You hung in there, you know, perseverance. You had it like that's what it takes to be a church planner. And he goes, uh, you know, he goes, I remember you saying that the sudden blow ups, you know, the Mark Driscoll stories that, you know, um, grew up overnight. He goes, I remember you saying that was going to be the exception, but he goes, I can be honest, deep in my heart, I thought I will be that next exception. <laughs> and nice. I think every church planner thinks that deep down, like the quote that I read last night where the guy goes, I love church planners. You know, they're, uh, they're, they're crazy enough to think they can change the world and they're brave enough to try. And that's so true, man. This guy was an entrepreneur. I told him a little bit about you, but uh, there's such a connection there. It's so entrepreneurial. But at the end of the day, he just said, you know, I, I really, I really thought I was the exception to this. And I said, you know, I could have gone in there and taught you guys all of the like tactics for attracting a crowd and getting a bunch of Christians. That's so easy. But reaching the lost is so much more challenging, but it's so much more satisfying. And he was just saying, he goes, it's been a rough road because when I go on Sunday mornings to church right now, and I see the people we're reaching, he says, I would not trade it for the world. Mm. And that's so true. That's you know, cool. we got our, our recent magazine out, don't we? Um, 
are, are new and coming out. We got the one on the stands right now. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. In July, our our theme is going to be hang in there. And then I think the subtitle to it on the cover is um, when discouragement comes. And that's so important. So make sure July 1st that you go and download the magazine. We want you guys to read. We've got some amazing articles. I, I, I say it every time, but I always think this next, this next issue is the best. Can't help it. Every wife, my uh, every meal my wife cooks me is my favorite. <laughs> if I could get my <laughs> wife to cook ever. me dinner, that'd be awesome. Oh yeah, you know I keep thinking about you guys the way you divvy it up. I love the way you guys divvy up your menu. I would love to talk about that, but dude, I am like late for my next appointment. So oh crap, you didn't even you didn't even tell me. You didn't even tell me. Like normally, I get push notices. Like hey, dude, I got my phone off. I can't. You gotta stop. All right, man. Well, hey, that said, um, thanks for joining us today, learning about discipleship. And uh, hopefully you're not discipled by me or Pete. You definitely don't want to be anything like us. <laughs> this has been the Church Finder Podcast reminding you that if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. 